We've been in Matthew 10 over the last three weeks. This will make four. And like I said, we will wrap this up next week. This is a point in time when Jesus is sending out his disciples on their first ministry trip. We often use the term mission, right? And in this, we have been talking that missions always begins where? Mission begins here. Missions begins here. Ministry begins here. Jesus told his disciples to go into the area in and around Jerusalem and then to start moving out later in their ministry. Just very quick recap in Matthew 10 coming down to where we are. In that first section we saw that Jesus said, as you are going, spread the word. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is where? It is near. You know what near is? Near is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. He also said that you will face rejection. Persecution comes with the territory. Not everybody is going to listen. Not everybody will respond. And some responses will be quite negative. And as we talked last week, Jesus also said, don't fret because I have overcome the world. God is in control. Amen? Amen. He went on. Verse 34, Jesus says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Now, this is one of those things that some scholars, some people look at, and they call this a very hard saying. In fact, some will say, he didn't say this. This isn't the message of peace. This isn't the prince of peace. This, you know, he's supposed to be the Messiah, the anointed one. In fact, in that day, they thought Jesus was coming to what? To bring them freedom as a nation. And yet, this statement is exactly in line with what Jesus says in many other places. In fact, there is a point where we understand that Jesus didn't come to lift the yoke of Roman tyranny. He didn't come specifically to make us all free in this world. He came with a much higher purpose than that. In effect, Jesus tried to tell his disciples, tried to tell those that were listening to him that if you think I've come to rescue you from the Romans, you're wrong. A message of peace, yes, but that message of peace brings with it conflict. The Jews were looking for a a political and social freedom and Christ came to give us another kind of freedom. And Jesus knows the radical nature of his message. He knows firsthand that it is hard to deny yourself and take up 
your cross. When he tells the young men, sell everything, give to the poor, and come follow me, he knows that is hard. When he says, leave your job, leave your riches, leave everything you know, and follow him, he knows that is hard. He knows that his way is divisive. He knows that if we are to follow God's way, we will not be in step with those who want to be the Lord of their own lives. But here's the thing. Jesus demands complete allegiance. He mentioned this before in Matthew 10, up at verse 21. He said, brother will betray brother to death, a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. By the way, we know this happened. It was happening in Asia Minor. It's kind of the background for the book of Revelation. We're not going to get into that today. We may get into that sometime. But it was happening. It's happening today. In those 76 countries where Christians today experience high to extreme persecution that we talked about last week. In fact, if you think about it, there's a point in time where you might be able to say it happened right here in America. Do y'all remember the war between the states? Do you remember the divide that was there? It was a war of right and wrong. Jesus expands and emphasizes this thought by quoting Micah 7, 6. There at verse 35. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And we're going to sit here on that for just a moment. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. We're going to sit on that for just a moment. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Did you notice that he not only said it once, he said it twice, he said it three times? How many times does it have to be in the scripture in order to be true? How many times? One time. If a teacher is repeating themselves, what does that tell you? Take notes. This is important. It's going to be on the test, right? You pay attention to those things that are repeated. And Jesus knew. That once you put the hand to the plow, you don't turn back. So I have a question for you. 
one for you to reflect on this week. What am I truly committed to? What are you truly committed to? David Livingston is a name that you should know um, from history. Uh, he was um, considered to be the father of ministry in the uh, country of Africa. He was also a, a trained en- engineer. In fact, David Livingston, as he made his way through Africa, was able to go where no non-African had ever been before. There were sections of the country which had never been mapped. And David Livingston, as he moved across Africa, mapped out regions that the Western world had never had any knowledge of. At the heart, he was a missionary. That engineering thing was just part of how he was able to get in where he went. There once was a time when a missionary society wrote to David Livingston in Africa, and when the message got to him, the message was, Have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know so that we can send other men to join you. And Livingston wrote this back. He said, If you have men who will come only if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. That is a commitment, is it not? You ever heard of the Witham factor? You ever heard of that? W-W-I-F-M, Witham. With or without someone else. With or without someone else. Do you know what that is? That's being committed to follow a path regardless of who is on that path or not on that path with you. That you are committed to where you stand with or without someone else. When we were going through not a fan, that was focused on the verse Luke nine twenty three, where Jesus says that we are to take up our cross. How often? Daily and follow him. That is what is called of one who would be a disciple of Jesus. And he calls us to die. To die to family. To die to friends. To die to anything and everything that could possibly come between us and him. In fact, God had said it first. I have here Exodus 20, where he says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down and worship them, for I am the Lord your God I'm a jealous God. 
What is he saying? Nothing takes my place. Your loyalty to me comes before everything else. In Luke 14, we read the words of Jesus as large crowds were gathering around him. He turned to them and he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his whole life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. With or without someone else. Hebrews 10.25. verse you probably know, even if you don't remember the reference, it's where the writer tells us that we should not neglect what? Gathering together, right? We're in this together. We need to gather together. Friends, family, what message do we send to our children when we bow at the altar of Little League on Sunday mornings? Parents, do you hold your child's earthly sport talents so dear that you would teach them that sports is more important than being in God's house? Of course not. You wouldn't do that. Not at all. But friends, we're called to die to Little League. To die to our children. To, to die to our parents. To die to a career that won't allow us time for worship. You may or may not remember this gentleman here, James A. Garfield, past president of the United States. There is a story about him about the day after his inauguration. A member of his cabinet insisted the day after his inauguration on having a meeting at 10 in the morning with Garfield Yet that day was a Sunday. And this man had a matter of importance that had to be dealt with right then. President Garfield, as the story goes, said that he had something to do at that time. And the cabinet member insisted that the president break his previous engagement. And Garfield refused. The cabinet member then said to him, I would be interested to know with whom you could have an engagement so important that it cannot be broken. And Garfield replied, I will be as frank as you are. My engagement is with the Lord to meet him at his house, at his table, at 10.30 tomorrow, and I will be there. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a president who would die 
to matters of state? We are to die to anything and everything that tries to take God's rightful place in our life. Ask yourself, how far am I willing to go to follow God? Several years ago when I was beginning to, to, to grasp what it meant to follow Jesus, I, I came across a poem that's simply titled, Fellowship of the Unashamed. Fellowship of the Unashamed. The story's author really isn't clear, um, but Lewis Robinson Chapman, who was a missionary to Africa, for a number of years, writes that the poem was found among the papers of a young Zimbabwe pastor after he was martyred for his faith. This man had written this. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My presence makes sense. My future secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight Walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, cheap giving and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotion, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right. First, tops recognized, praised, regarded or rewarded I now live by presence learn by faith love by patience lift in prayer and labor by power my pace is set my gate is fast my goal is heaven my road is narrow my way is rough my companions few my guide is reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in a maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, back up, let up, shut up until I am preached up, prayed up, paid up, stored up, and stayed up for the cost of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go until he returns. I must give till I drop. Preach till all I till all know and until he 
comes. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Friends, what about you? Are you part of the fellowship of the unashamed? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to put God on the throne of your life? Are you willing to give up this world for the life to come? Because, friends, everything in this world is little league compared to eternity. And I'm afraid if we're not willing to give it up, we're just fooling ourselves. Back to Matthew 10. We don't want to stop right there. We, we do want to keep reading. Jesus has saved the best for last. There in the last half of verse 39, he says, Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Is that not a wonderful promise for us to cling to? I've said it before, you will hear it again. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith is disobedience. Regardless of where your head is right this moment, regardless of what is pulling on you, you can always do the next right thing. You can still act in faith. That action brings Reward. Verse 41. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man, because he is righteous, will receive a righteous man's reward. What's a prophet's reward? What's a righteous man's reward? Friends, we've been talking about it. It's that life in Jesus that we can have now with the Holy Spirit in us, working through us, and it is the hope of the life to come. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. A cup of cold water. Water a good thing to have every now and again? Do you know what a cup of water is? It's a kindness. It's somebody walking in the door and making sure that I had this knowing that I'm going to get dry up here. It's a simple kindness, right? A kindness done in the name of Christ will not be forgotten. Anyone having heard and understood and responding to the message 
that Christ has come, that he has died to our sins, for our sins, that he rose on the third day, proving that death is not the end of life. He rose and he ascended and he will come again for those who live life in him. There is promise there and he is coming again. And that reward, that reward is for any who will receive the message that the kingdom of heaven is near. Kingdom of heaven is here. Yes, we are waiting for that final day. But friends, the Holy Spirit is in you, you who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior and are working every day to become more and more like him. You are the kingdom of heaven. The lives we touch who turn to the truth also receive that hope of heaven. What you do matters so keep it up Father God we thank you for the encouragement that comes from your word from the knowledge that regardless of what this world throws at us we can still be your kingdom that we can still do the next right thing. The knowledge that anything that we do in your name is effectual not just for somebody else but also for assurance to us that you are there and that you care and that we are part of your kingdom. I pray, Father, that you will add your spirit and your encouragement over these next few moments. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.